Alright everybody, welcome back. This is episode 12 of the NYY Sports Talk Podcast. I am, of course, Christian, alongside my partner in crime, Chris. What's up? Uh, oh my god. I thought he, we would get away the op- get away uh, with him out. Jesus, man. Whenever you're weird, you throw me off my, <laughs> my train of thought. As I was trying to say, I thought we could get through the open of the show without him acting like a freak, but I guess uh, that was too much to ask for, right? Right. I've been I've been calm and collected and knowledgeable and professional. I have. All right. But the Yankees came back from being down to nothing and beat the Indians. So I'm a little happy. Sad because they lost the first two games of the ALCS, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so the last time we recorded was before game five, right? We didn't do anything leading up into the ALCS, so... Uh, just quickly, uh, before we talk about the end of the ALDS, just want to touch on that since we haven't actually touched on it. Uh, Joe Rivera from the Sporting News will be joining us today. This is Joe's second appearance on the NYY Sports Talk podcast, and we uh, break down some of the ALCS happenings with him. So we uh, thank Joe for coming on with us again. Uh, first repeat guest. Uh, there is no award for that, but thanks, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> um so just briefly, because it is, you know, it's Sunday night we're recording here, and uh, Game 5 was Wednesday. Um, I asked Joe this question, which you'll hear later on in the podcast. I'll ask you, Chris. Given everything that happened this season, the expectations, the the high watermark in June, the slump in the summer, then coming back strong in September... The gray trade, the Chicago trade, and then all that, and then falling down 0-2. Scale of 1 to 10, how shocked are you that we're playing, the New York Yankees are playing games in the American League Championship Series right now? I don't know if it's a matter of being shocked because as a fan, again, I don't care if it's rebuilding year. I don't care if they've thrown in the towel. I expect them to be in the World Series every year. That's just how I am. I'll say this, though. We talked about when we first started the podcast, how Brian Cashman's going to want to see this team he's put together in a playoff series. It's something that needed to happen. I feel like for him and he saw it and he watched his team go down three runs in the first inning in a wild card game to come back and win. He watched his team go down two games to nothing against the best team in the American league and come back and win. He's now watching his team lose down 2 nothing to arguably the best offense in baseball. But guess what? They've held him to four runs over two games. And there's still a lot of baseball to be played. I'm not shocked at where they are. I'm shocked at their resilience. So you put it at, what, a three? If we had a put since I asked you to put a number on it, uh, would you say three? Is oh, a f- no. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> If we're looking at it, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I expected them to be in the ALCS. Like, realistically, no. I mean, probably an 8 or a 9. I'm shocked. In February, yeah, I'd say... Before the season started... A 10. It's 10. 10 easy. Now it's like June 6. Summer slump, 10. It's (laughs) tough because you know I'm so black and white, so... there are points where I'm like, this team's not even going to make the playoffs. Forget the wild card. And then there's, then there's, you know, a week later, I'm like, I'm telling you right now, 
sometimes I, I'll look at whoever I'm watching the game with, and it'll be a serious moment for me, and they just look at me like I'm nuts. But I'll look over and be like, I'm telling you right now, this team's going to make the World Series, and they're going to win the World Series. And then they roll their eyes, and a week later, I'm back to hating them again. But, so before this team can get into the World Series, they got some serious work to do. Uh, we don't need to really get into Game 5 too much. It's been almost a week already. Uh, just... Just tremendous performance by CC in the bullpen. I mean, there was really no other option to start Game 5 than CC. Uh, but here we are, again, down 0-2 in a playoff series to a team that, I guess, on paper is better than the Yankees. Uh, Yanks are coming home for three games, uh, hopefully, you know. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't want it to end before Wednesday night uh, against the Houston Astros. <coughs> we'll start it like this, can't. Are we going back to Houston? Here's how I will put it. I'm not going to make any predictions. And the only reason why I'm not going to make any predictions is because, and I say this in our interview, can you stop playing with your stupid toys? Uh, It was Gary Sanchez's catching mask. mm, uh, I say this in the interview, but I'm not going to make any predictions because for the first time in my life, I am so content with this team that I don't want to put any expectations in my head. I'll say this. I think they're going to, I'll, I won't predict the series. I should have said, but I'll give my explanation as to if the Yankees are going to win, this is what has to happen. I think they win tomorrow. I do. I'm confident they win tomorrow. I think whoever wins Tuesday, if the Yankees win Monday, Whoever wins Tuesday wins the series. That's my take. I think if the Yankees come back, they win Monday, and they end up winning Tuesday, they will win the series. That's your take. That's my take, yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because who's going to pitch Tuesday? Sonny Gray's on the mound Tuesday. Okay, so you're telling me that if we can get a win out of Sonny Gray and, and tie the series up 2-2 at home... That who comes on the mound Wednesday? We're going back to Tanaka. Okay, so you're telling me that Tanaka's not going to win uh, a game Wednesday after this team's tied it back 2-2? I have no idea what Tanaka is going to do. I mean, we've gotten three consecutive great outings out of him. Is And you've seen the roller coaster that he's been on in 2017. So is this where the roller coaster starts going down? Or is he still going up on the roller coaster? In Tanaka's postseason career which outside of this postseason is one other game okay how many innings did he pitch in that game i want to say six i think it was six or seven no yeah, because many... he there was three he went to wilson Batances and miller so he pitched six i remember we were there in that wild so what are you saying game. one of those guys pitched more than one inning no i'm saying that he pitched six oh, tanaka oh, gotcha, didn't gotcha, go gotcha. into the seven gotcha um this guy's been phenomenal in his very short postseason career. What are you looking for? My iPad, because I want to see if Jesus. Houston announced the starter for when uh, Tuesday. Yeah, Gray. No, Houston, you really- Oh, you're- <laughs> I think it's going to come down to what the Yankees do. Or you, you really don't think he's going to bring back Keuchel in Game 5? No. No, Game 4, I'm sorry, because Game 4, I know Charlie Morton's going for Houston Monday. 
which people are saying the Yankees have the pitching advantage, but I, Charlie Morton's pitching to a low three ERA, so I don't really know if you would call that a pitching advantage. The guy's still been a really good pitcher this year for... I just don't know how I feel about Sonny Gray. Oh, Charlie Morton, 14-7, 3.62. CC, 14-5, 3.69. So they're statistically even. I I think it just comes down to the fact that it's CC Sabathia. I think unless you're throwing a Dallas Keuchel at us, the Yankees are going to have the advantage based off of the fact that it's CC and what he's done. I don't know how I feel about Sonny Gray. And just uh, uh, Houston still TBD on uh, game four. All right. Well, you know, maybe they do go back to Keuchel if they're up 3 nothing. Maybe maybe they want to close it out. They've seen what the Yankees are capable of. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe I'm thinking, you know, the Yankees win a game. They st- But maybe it's if they lose and they're... Did you fall asleep in a cobweb? Because you have, like... Chunks of dust all over the hood of your shirt. In this shirt? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's been a long day. You're a human garbage can, you know that? I slept, like, all day today. I'm so exhausted from this week of... I finally have my voice back. Before we go any further into uh, the ALCS, speaking of guests on the podcast, last night uh, we saw our very first guest, Vic DiBetetto, in a concert. I get, I don't know what to call it. He did his stand-up routine yeah. at Bananas uh, Comedy Club in the Hasbrook Heights. It was awesome. Um, Vic was outstanding. Uh, the, his opening act, who's I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, but uh, he, he was great. He was funny. He too. was great as well. We got a chance to meet Vic after the show, which was which was nice. And for any Vic fans out there, this just goes to show how humble this guy is. He thanked us for being <laughs> like, on our podcast. Like, look. The guy hangs out with Kevin James, <laughs> all right? And he thanked us for being on our podcast when we had 40 followers on Twitter. <laughs> like, we're not we're not dumb, right? We know it was an honor for us to have him on. But instead of being like, oh, no problem, guys. I'm, I was glad. To, he looked at us genuinely, and he said, Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This guy's a humble guy. He is hilarious. I that was actually my first true live stand up. Never been to comedy. Before? I have on like a cruise ship. It was awful. This was great. It was awesome meeting the guy who really got us started. Uh, his episode. I mean, I know it's the first one, so it's been in the podcast atmosphere the longest but it does have the most downloads um he's got a very loyal fan base so it was it was pretty awesome to be able to meet him last night uh he told us at the beginning of his show to keep the faith so uh he also did you hear what he said to me too when i was walking around he said hey (laughs) he goes sanchez to dh romine should catch I did bring that up. Let's let's just dive into that right now because it's something we asked Joe. Um, Do you mind if I have a chip? You really gonna eat Tostitos on the air? <laughs> You're like we're live. It doesn't matter. Nobody wants to hear you crunching like a garbage compactor. Mm. Oh my god! You know how many complaints I get weekly about you and your antics on the podcast. Anyway, all right. So let's just let's just dive right into it because Vic said it. Uh, it's something we asked Joe uh, when I was Joe Rivera. Joe Rivera, our guest today, Matt Girardi. 
I don't even know what I would ask Joe Girardi. <laughs> what you have for your birthday, Joe? Uh, <laughs> yesterday, uh, Saturday was Joe's birthday. That must have been a hell of a dinner he had with his wife and family <laughs> <laughs> after the game. But anyway, um, the DH, as I termed it in our interview, and Joe told me I was being disrespectful to black holes everywhere, <laughs> uh, the DH position has been a black hole for the Yankees. They're 0 for the entire postseason. We posed it to Joe. He said he's uh, he wouldn't move off of the Headley Ellsbury combination. What would you do? Would you try to mix things up a little bit? Put Romine behind the plate. Put this way, you get his bat in there. Not that he's uh, Carlton Fisk or anybody, but it's a different bat in the lineup. And DH Sanchez. Uh, I heard on the fan today, people were saying put Torres at DH. Do you give Holiday another crack at this thing, or are we just going to see more of uh, the endless nightmare that is Jacoby Ellsbury and Chase Headley in the know. postseason? I don't know. Here's how I'm going to play it right now, right? You're not getting much production. Uh, Any. No, I mean, you've had guys get on base, just no hits. Any production. Really no production. But what I'm trying to Did get Did Headley at walk is, once? Is that what you're trying to say? No, Ellsbury got on. Catches interference. Yeah. That's the only thing he's good for. Okay. But at this point, in the case of our DH actually getting on, I want someone who's got someone who's got some speed. Also, when you were napping, did you nap on the floor of a strip club because you have glitter all over your face? <laughs> Paint the picture, please. It's from my daughter, man. She just she, just glitter everywhere. There's glitter everywhere. I'm not going to say it might not be from you being here right now because my wife has her own wreath business. Uh, we're all tied up. You can find them on Instagram. Thank you. Um, I didn't approve of that plug. It doesn't matter. I did it anyway. Um, I'm going to eat Tostitos over So maybe it. that's why you have glitter all over your face? Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe you just slept on the floor of a strip club today. Maybe. We did pass Bada Bings last night on the way bada home. Bada Bing. <laughs> they Bada Bing, Bada Boom. All right, so what were you saying? Ellsbury, Headley, we're going to see Joe do something different. I want to – let me finish this. I want to see someone with speed. The only person that I feel more sorry for than myself of being such a close personal relationship is your wife. Is your wife. I don't know how she does. I tweeted this (laughs) and it went out the window. But I expect it. That's how you talk. Like I, t- I tweeted it. Like I'm some poor Sylvester Stallone <laughs> impersonator. Is that what it is? Yeah. So can we talk about how he's gonna? They're gonna film Creed two next year because I really I think, don't follow Rocky really. So I'm think I'm more excited over that than the Yankees. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want someone with speed. I want someone who's going to start manufacturing runs. We saw how valuable Jose Altuve is. And I said to a Houston fan who's kind of giving us crap on Twitter, uh, I'm not that impressed with his singles that he hits because I know the guy hits a lot of singles. He's batting 350. Yeah, but you realize that Tony Gwynn made it to the Hall of Fame by basically being a singles hitter. Yeah. Uh, Listen, I'm not downplaying it what i'm saying is i know altuve gets a lot of base hits i see his average i'm not shocked i'm not impressed because i expect it from him but what i am impressed by 
is the way this guy knows how to manufacture big runs in the postseason game. Guy gets on first, he's on second. It's the first time, and I'll step away from the series and fall back in love with Altuve, but I hate the guy's guts right now. Because he's killing us. He's like uh, Pedroia. I always respect Pedroia as a baseball player, but he's a little rat. He annoys me. <laughs> a guy gets on first, blink of an eye, is on second. And Correa, forget it. Stop throwing the guy strikes. He's going to hit you. When we started the MVP talk of you know a few weeks ago, Altuve versus Judge, it was never meant as a disrespect to Jose Altuve. No, never, ever, ever. And Jose Altuve is showing the world in this postseason why he should be the MVP of the American League. But again, you can't take the postseason and use that as a vote for most valuable player. Right. But he's just adding on to his resume of why certainly even though we tried our hardest to make the case for Aaron Judge, if Jose Altuve wins MVP, it's not like I'm going to burn down the Major League Baseball Writers of America well, I think, Association office. I think the cool part about this, that two MVPs are facing off, the two candidates. And um, one of them looks like he should be uh, everyone in Scranton Wilkes-Barre right now. Jesus. Uh, the cool thing is that we get to see the Altuve argument now. And it got me thinking, like, you know, the guy might have 30 less RBI than Judge or whatever it ended up being. But I think the big argument with Altuve is that his RBIs are big time runs. This guy's clutch. This guy knows when he has to get a base hit. And when he does have to get a base hit, he gets one. Or when he needs to get on base, he gets on base. He's... He's a great, great baseball player. I never thought otherwise. But when you're looking at it simply from a statistical standpoint of run production, Judge is still not even in the same ballpark as Altuve for me. But here's Altuve's argument. And you know what? A week ago, I probably would have been pissed off for a while if Altuve got it over Judge. But now I'd say, you know what? It is what it is. I mean, Altuve's deserving. And I'll, you know... I'll be happy for him. All right. So, again, we asked Joe Rivera, our guest, you'll hear the interview in a few minutes, uh, this question. So, let's get our take on it since this is the NYY Sports Talk podcast. You'd want our take on these questions. Like you said, you're seeing the two top candidates for MVP in the American League Championship Series. Argue all day as long as you want who's number one, who's number two, but I don't think it's an argument at all that these are the two top candidates in the MVP race. Right. Right. Right now it looks like Altuve is just running, would run away with the award because judge has been struggling so mightily in this series and really in the playoffs in general. It seems like Altuve's geared up for the fastball every time it comes and the Yankees keep throwing him first pitch fastballs. Can we have a meeting today? Or tomorrow before the game, uh, CC maybe 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 throw him a slider, you know, throw him a little change up first pitch. I was gonna write an article. I never got around to it because you were sleeping on the floor of a strip yeah. club. Going into the series, uh, a very dusty strip club, might I add. Shush. <laughs> uh, the keys to the game of what the Yankees needed to do to beat the Astros, and one of them was going to be not to focus too much on Jose Altuve. 
And what I mean by that is stop trying to figure out how to get the guy out. Want to know why? You're not going to. This guy batted 350 this year. Every single pitcher had plenty of time to try and figure him out. You're not going to figure him out. What you can do is you can say, when this guy gets on base, how are we going to stop him from moving over to second without the Astros having to give up a run? Uh, you're really not because you're not uh, because Andy Pettit's not on this team. So do you really it, have anybody you know that has it? It's one thing the Yankees really need to work on in the offseason. I'm sick of how guys take advantage of them all year. They get on first. It's not even a question. They're on second. And And you know what? Everyone wants to rip Sanchez for his defense. This guy takes balls in the dirt, throws it down on some of the fastest guys in the league, and makes it close when his pitching staff doesn't even throw the ball over. So, you know, give the guy a little bit of credit here. He makes things close. This pitching staff doesn't keep guys on first. That's what they need to focus on. They need to focus on, okay, when Altuve does get on first base, how are we going to keep him there? How are we going to prevent him from, from scoring when Correa gets up? And and hits one also. Well, if Altuve's on and you can't get Correa out, you're really <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, How you-, that, you know that's the Houston Astros, man. We're talking about it. We're talking about a team that I'm not going to lie, I underestimated going into this series. I but, thought the Yankees, but, but a team that the Yankees have held the four runs in two games. I think the Yankees' advantage would be if you can get the games even through seven. That would be where the Yankees' advantage would be. That's what I thought the difference in the series would be. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the other MVP candidate, Aaron Judge. I'm not going to go into Judge. We know what he is. I mean, how much are we going to go back and forth? He's a strikeout guy. He struck out an obnoxious amount of times. Okay. He's not making a great case for himself on the big stage. He's been in the middle of some big plays, in the middle of some big wins this postseason. But overall, you're going to look at his numbers and you're going to want to vomit. Guy struck out what sixteen out of twenty four times in the ALDS. Is that the right number? Sixteen out of twenty two or something crazy like that. I mean, I've never even. I didn't even think that was possible. So no, I, I, we don't have to go into judge. I mean, let me just ask you this though, and because like I I I brought up the term fan fan conjecture with Joe and. You know, fans become fixated on things because they're allowed to think irrationally. Uh, they want, and I don't even know where this came from. And it's just really in the last uh, couple of games here, the judges got to move closer to the plate. Is that going to stop him from striking out so much? No, I'll tell you what it's going to do. It's going to make pitchers start coming inside, and they're going to jam him, and he's going to start popping the ball up. And looking like a fool. Would that make anybody feel better? Do you know what Judge has to stop doing? Judge has to have an approach. These guys don't have an approach. Judge has to get up to the plate. He can stand wherever the hell he wants. He has to get up to the plate and he has to say, I'm not going to swing at any slider on the outside half of the plate. At least until... until there's two strikes. Yeah. Because a lot of the time... you, You know what I noticed with him? A lot of the times... He gives up a strike easily because he'll. It's just like in his mind, he's just going to swing at this no matter what that's, it is. That's what I'm trying to get to. Obviously, with two strikes, you got to swing at anything close. When I say approach, I mean 
anything before two strikes, you are not swinging at a slider on the outside part of the plate. Because guess what? If he does go back and watch video, those those sliders he's swinging at are a foot off the plate. Guess what? You start taking those pitches, you make pitchers start throwing strikes, they're going to start making mistakes. Pitchers aren't making mistakes on him because they don't have to. They don't even have to throw him a strike. He's swinging at everything. And when he doesn't swing and it's close and it really shouldn't go the pitcher's way, it has been. So that hurts him too. He's getting a a lot of low strike calls called on him that aren't strikes. But you can't make that an excuse because he's making it easier for the pitcher to get to that point. So he's got to start taking bad pitches. I know it's way easier said than done. But what I mean by that is if a first pitch you're seeing is a slider on the outside part of the plate, even if it's a strike, take it. You take it. That's not your pitch. Judge has to get up there and he says, I'm looking middle in right now. I'm looking middle in. Even if it's something off speed, I don't care. I'm looking middle in because that's my wheelhouse. That's where I'm going to get out of this slump. Anything anything middle out, I'm taking right now. You want you want to throw it two strikes and I got a battle? Fine. But right now, I'm looking middle end. And if you throw me something hard, I'm going to turn on it and I'm going to make you look foolish. Make the pitcher have to throw a strike. And he's just simply not doing that. All right, so let's... Uh... Let's move along here. Uh, we're going to go into our interview with Joe right now, and we'll come back, and we're going to touch on uh, you know, the big controversy from Game 2, I guess you could call it, and then just give her thoughts going forward in the series. Uh, but, you know, we're already, I guess, because what else are we going to talk about? Stuff that we already, we already touched on with Joe. So let's just get into the interview with Joe before we cannibalize that interview anymore. Right, uh, deal. <laughs> so... Um, Joe Rivera from the Sporting News, again, kind enough to join us for a second time since we've been doing the end of YY Sports Talk podcast. Find Joe at uh, Joe Rivera SN, and uh, let's take you to the interview we conducted earlier in the day. All right, everybody, we're joined by Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. Uh, Joe has joined us previously here on the NYY Sports Talk podcast, and Joe's going to spend a few minutes with us here uh, talking Yanks here in their playoff run and uh, where they might be headed in the American League Championship Series. How's it going, Joe? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? All right, not too bad. Um, let's go back to Wednesday night after the Yankees defeated the Cleveland Indians. If you could put a number on it, a scale of 1 to 10, considering the expectations and how this season has unfolded, how shocked were you that the Yankees are actually in the ALCS right now? Uh, one to ten, I'd say about a six. Um, you see, looking looking at this team before the season, and you know, you look at all the team's expectations and where you think they'll be. And I looked at the squad, and I was talking with some guys uh, cover the baseball with Sporting News, and I said, you know, this team uh, really reminds me of the 2015 Cubs, where they were. It, it looked like they were ready to turn the corner. There was tons of young talent across the team but there were still some question marks. So to see them get to the ALCS, it's really reminiscent of that Cubs team that got to the NLCS. So, you know, looking down, they were down 0-2. They come back against Cleveland. Uh, they showed a lot of guts, a lot of grit, a lot of heart, you know, all those buzzwords that you like to use with an upstart team. So I'm, I'm pretty surprised they were able to bounce back from 0-2 
with a cut with a uh, Indians team that was as hot as they were coming into the playoffs. So about a six, I think I put put it there. Joe, it's funny you actually compared them to the Cubs because I was thinking the other day, you know, this whole Sanchez play at the plate thing, this is part of the Yankees rebuilding. So if you're going to complain about Gary Sanchez not being able to pick that ball and make the tag, you also have to look at it as this is the rebuilding Yankees. He didn't make that play in the American League Championship Series. This isn't a regular season game here. Okay, so you got to take the good with the bad. And my and my question to you is, you, you brought up the Cubs, and I was thinking in my head, okay, this team, this rebuilding team, is in the ALCS. What are the expectations moving forward? I mean, if they don't make it next year, is it a disappointment? Um, You know, I think next year they'll probably, depending, I don't want to say depending on the moves they make this offseason because, I think they already have what they need in place moving forward as far as the rotation goes and obviously all their core players. So I think that next year you're probably going to be looking at a deep postseason run. You don't want to say World Series or bust because there's still going to be teams in the American League that can really challenge them. But you're probably going to be seeing some numbers. You know, the Vegas numbers will probably be at 90 and a half. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me being that they won 91 games this year. Um but I think next year you have to see a lot of the guys. You, you, you kind of have to expect that a lot of these younger players are going to take that next step. And, and given the way that a lot of them have played this year and, and adjusted and how deep they're going to be next year, I think, I think next year the expectations are going to be higher. I think it obviously will be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs next year. But uh, you certainly expect a deep playoff run uh, in 2018. All right, Joe, so speaking of the playoff run here in 2017, one of the biggest negatives, I guess you could say, is the black hole that the Yankees' DH position has become. Uh, what are they, 0 for the playoffs right now? I know 27, I think. Yeah. For, yeah. I know Jacoby um, Ellsbury, Chase Headley had a few good at-bats yesterday, but they still haven't gotten any production out of that spot. So, Going into Game Three, do you see Joe sticking with that Ellsbury Headley uh, duo, or maybe doing something a little different? Like on Sports Talk Radio, we've heard around here today a lot of uh, people were clamoring for Torres to be put in that DH spot. So do you do you see Joe sticking with the the same cast of characters, or maybe doing something a little different going into Game Three? I think it's going to stay the same, and and to call the Yankees uh, the DH spot a black hole is is kind of an insult to black holes because it's been <laughs> it's been it's been bad, man. Uh, you you know you, you kind of ex, you kind of expect, and this ties into their just offensive problems this this playoff season as a whole. That a guy like Ellsbury, who kind of made a career, maybe not this season as much, but kind of made a career of working counts and and really working pitchers and making things happen and being that spark plug. And you just haven't seen that. And Chase Headley, as good as he was the last three or four months of the season, I mean, he, he's been less than good in the playoffs, let's say. So I really don't see how you fix it. I don't think Torres really solves the problem. I don't think he really helps. Uh, you know, he's a solid ball player. He's a good role player, good for the clubhouse. Obviously, the Tonight Show, all those things, uh, they bode well for a clubhouse. Uh, he obviously had that base running gaff in game two of the uh of the ALDS. So yeah, I don't I think 
Joe's going to stick with it. Joe, we've seen in the past, he's very loyal to guys. He's very loyal to certain players. He wants to give them their shots. So I don't really see things changing much, um, and especially with a guy like Torres, who's heralded for his defense, though the, the advanced stats don't play it out as well. I think he's probably better suited for a late-game defensive replacement if you really want to go there, but um, I don't think he'd really make a difference from the DH spot. All right, so you brought up Ellsbury and his uh, his ability to work counts, which brings me into my next question, the offense. Uh, this team has been striking out in a, at an alarming rate in the postseason thus far. Do you credit great pitching, or do you think some of these guys need to uh, clean up their approach at the uh, plate? Well, when you look at the Yankees this year, the prevailing theme um, all season has been the home runs, right? Aaron Judge with his 50-plus home runs this year. Uh, lead the majors, I'm pretty sure, in home runs. So teams that hit home runs and rely on the home runs for offense the way they do usually don't bode well in October. So um, you see all the pitching and the great pitching. Listen, facing Keuchel and Verlander back-to-back 1-2 is is no easy task for any team, not just the Yankees. So I think think the fact that this team has really relied on power all year – um, and they kind of remind you of, of the Astros teams of years past where they had a guy like Chris Carter who was hitting the ball out all the time, but he was also striking 200, uh, striking out 200 times a year. And those Astros squads were hitting tons of home runs. And now you've seen the way that they've evolved as a team where they make contact and they work counts and they're just an all-around offensive threat. I don't think the Yankees are there yet offensively. I think the biggest problem is the fact that they have relied on power and there are few guys in this lineup. You're looking at probably Judge and, and Gardner that really work counts. You see them work into full counts, 2-2 two, two counts, 3-2 counts all the time. Um, but the rest of the lineup doesn't really adhere to that. And then just one more point, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at a guy like Starlin Castro, and he comes up with the bases loaded, and uh, you could see a guy work a work a full count, a work a walk to the at-bat before, but Castro will go up there swinging. I just think it's an organizational philosophy offensively. I think that these guys are, they're not tuned into watching other at-bats as much as they should be. And I think that's, that's a, jet, a detriment once October rolls around. I, it's funny you said that because I usually flip out on Joe about it inside. Like, I forget who it was, right? They took four awful pitches uh, on a four-pitch walk. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, all right, you better take till you get a strike. Maybe take till you get two. You need base runners. They were down late in the game. And it, and the next guy gets up to first pitch swinging. I mean, it it's frustrating. You thought it came from the manager, but maybe you're right. Maybe it is an organizational philosophy. I, just I don't know. Think, you know, and, and the way that those Yankees teams were built in the 90s and the 90s dynasty, listen, you don't want to keep comparing to the 90s dynasty, but that's just naturally what's going to happen is – you you look at those teams. Those teams were all built on working at working at bats, working counts, full counts all the time, next man up. And when you look at some of the guys in the team, and listen, I don't want to single guys out, but Castro is a guy to me. Routinely, you watch his at bats, and I'm not sure what he's seeing sometimes, swinging at awful pitches. And he's an aggressive hitter, and he doesn't really see pitches or he doesn't see guys at bats beforehand. And I think that hurts a lineup long term. I agree. I mean, you know, we're going to wrap up with you, but one of my biggest things over the last two games, I think I've watched every pitch of every game, and I feel like I haven't watched one game of this ALCS. 
I it almost feels like the Yankees have been non-existent. But then you look at it, you know, you look at it either glass half empty or glass half full. And going back into the Bronx, I don't know how to take it. I don't know. I want to get your perspective of it. I mean, you look at one end, right? And this pitching has been so unbelievably mind-blowing. I mean, to only give up four runs to the Houston Astros at home over two games is unbelievable. But then you look at the other side of it, and the Yankees have only scored two. Yeah, they face Keuchel. Yeah, they face Verlander. You're not going to expect them to do what they did against Kluber against every ace they face. But is this a cause for concern? Can the Yankees' offense pull through this and, and take a few in the Bronx? Hopefully at least two, um, obviously. Can this offense come back? And will this pitching stay as dominant as it's been? It's certainly possible. I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think uh, home cooking does a, does a ball player in the playoffs a lot of good. Getting to sleep in your own bed. Uh, seeing familiar surroundings, that stuff, it, it can't be understated, especially this time of year. And I think, uh, you know, and, and I'm looking at these first two games, and even though they came out with losses on both ends, pretty much everything that could go right for the Yankees went right. They played solid defense. They kept games within striking distance. They didn't get blown out either game, so... These next two games are going. To, these next three games at home, two at least, they're going to be pretty telling as to what they can do. And uh, I think they can do it. I think offensively they can turn it around. I think they really can put it together. They can put. They can score runs in bunches. Uh, they just need to take advantage of whatever opportunities the Astros give them, which might not be winning, but when it happens, they gotta. They have to score. They have to put guys on. They have to work counts. I agree. So in the uh, ALDS, the big debate was um, challenge, no challenge. So now I guess the big debate in the ALCS is should Gary Sanchez have made that play at the end of game two? Just uh, give us your thoughts on, uh, is that a play that Sanchez should make? Um, you know, just you know, basically run us through, did everything go right? The cutoff, the throw to, Didi's throw to him. Just, you know, give us a quick rundown on how you thought that play unfolded. All right, here's the thing. He, to be honest with you, the Sanchez pick has to be the last thing to look at because it starts with Judge, right? Now, Judge makes a strong throw, but the problem is either his throw was inaccurate, he wasn't sure where he was throwing. Starlin Castro has got to be in, in short in short right. He's got to throw his arms up, screaming for the ball, right? That's, that's number one. I don't think that ball can come into second base. Uh, you see Correa is probably going to make it, given his speed, given his aggressiveness. So it's got to come to the cutoff, man. That's got to be Castro. Uh, I'm not sure if Girardi really had a gripe or not. I mean, Correa's slide into second with uh, Didi making that throw. Maybe he was interfered with, but those are within the rules. And you can't really – can't fault Joe for really, you know, not, not being sure there. But And then you look at the throw from Didi which wasn't a terrible throw, but I think uh, Gary should come up with that. But, again, it, it's got to start with the with hitting the cutoff guy. Castro's got to get that ball in short right. It can't go into second. And then I think part of it, too, is the Yankees were just caught off guard there. Uh, I mean, Altuve, is, the guy is – he's a spark plug. The aggressive play, you got to force the defense into doing everything perfect. You, you know, defense has to make a perfect play. Perfect throw, perfect cutoff, perfect pick at home. 
And uh, that's the kind of stuff that the Astros do. They just take they take advantage of any hesitation you might have. And, uh, yeah, I don't think it's really entirely on Gary. Could he have come up with it? Sure. But I, I don't think it starts and ends with him. Now, if the ball hit Gary right in the glove, uh, chest protector high, and he misses the tag, or he just drops it out of his glove there, then maybe you can give him some stuff for it. But I really don't think it starts and ends with him on that play. I think it starts with Castro's got to be calling for the ball. Uh, Judge has got to know where to throw that ball. And uh, Gary's the last of the, on the list of uh, concerns there. Just a quick point to touch up on what you're saying. I was actually listening, I think, to the fan or MLB Network or something earlier today, and they talked about how teams aren't getting together like they used to back in the day and, and working on those plays. Uh, the Yankees really didn't line up properly. That's, just like you said, that's where that play started, and that's where that play ends, in my opinion. It's not an easy play for Sanchez. Yeah, do you expect him to make it? Yeah. But it doesn't start and it doesn't end with him. The Yankees weren't lined up properly. They didn't yeah. relay that properly. They made it look smooth. I mean, Didi looked a little hesitant, but they made it look fairly smooth. They didn't make it, you know, to the average baseball fan watching the game, they don't pick up on those things, but the Yankees weren't lined up properly, and that's where that whole play falls apart. Yeah, and I think uh, part of it, too, is, is Judge has to know, listen, and, and I understand Castro's not in his spot, but Judge has to know that uh, Correa's run really means nothing. At that point, uh, you have to keep Altuve at third. And that starts with getting the ball to the, to the right cutoff guy. And Castro wasn't there. You see him, he, either he wasn't paying attention or I'm not really sure what he was thinking, but you see him walking in the outfield, uh, back to, back to, uh, second base when that ball comes in. And yeah, they weren't lined up properly. I think that it goes back to just fundamental stuff. Um, whether that's something that if they don't talk about it before the game, but. That's something that baseball players at this level, they have to know where to be. They have to understand the situation, and that's just something that they didn't show at that point in the game. All right, so I guess one of the storylines heading into the uh, ALCS here was that the two top AL MVP candidates would be uh, facing off against each other. I mean, we can debate all day who is one and who is two between Altuve and Judge, but I think it's... Uh, pretty much a non-debate to say those are the two top candidates. But if you just dropped in out of the sky and watched the LCS, you would see that it's really no debate that Altuve is really outplayed judge. Uh, he's in the middle of every rally that Houston has, and judges just really had a terrible series, continuing to strikeouts. So just on Altuve, is there something the Yankees can do to get him out and on Judge, a lot of the popular talk is that he's got to move closer to the plate. Do you see any adjustments that he could make to possibly uh, get going at the plate? Yeah, I mean, as far as Altuve goes, you saw it the other night. The guy took an 100 mile, the first pitch, 100-mile-per-hour uh, fastball from Chapman. And it's amazing that we're in, uh, we're in October, we're in the ALCS now, and we're still asking the question, how do you get Jose Altuve out? Um the guy just has he it, seemingly offensively he has no weaknesses. He's always ready to hit. He's an aggressive hitter. He puts the ball out of the ballpark for a guy his size. It's crazy impressive. So I'm not sure what you can do to get him out, but he, he's just a special player. He's watching him. He's he's just a very special player. As far as Judge goes, I think 
you know, it's, and I don't want to put all the onus on the umpires here, but we, we have to talk about the strike zone, right? I mean, it's been a recurring theme this postseason. And you see some of these, these strikes, these borderline calls. Judge is not getting a lot of these borderline calls, and I think umpires just don't know how to adjust to his strike zone. And I think there's, there's just a huge difference between a, a one and one count and a two and oh count and even taking a first pitch strike in a big spot in the game when it wasn't really a strike. And that really screws with a, with a hitter's mentality that screws with his approach. And, and then in, when the pitch is in that same spot, if it's below the strike zone, you're going to have to take a rip at it. Right. And, and listen, it's not all on the umpires judge has to know what pitches to lay off of, but, and, and you're seeing a lot of him working himself into bad counts and not as, as great as he was at working counts this year. But I think part of it, and no one really wants to say it because you don't want to use umpires as an excuse for a player's ineffectiveness, right? It just come, it comes off as sour grapes, but, and no, pl- and no player will ever say that, uh, you know, my strike zone was a little off, but I think it's uh, part of it has to start there. You have to look at the strike zone. You have to make those calls, those borderline calls that he's not getting, that are, that are balls that are being called strikes. And it starts there as part of it. Is any actual adjustments? I think we're late in the season, especially. I, I like to use the basketball analogy. Whenever you see a whenever you see a shooter change his motion halfway through the season, it's it's usually pretty alarming, right? Um, could he get into a yeah, little I mean, bit lower? We're talking about a guy it's who. Tough. We're talking about a guy who hit 52 home runs. We still, you know, we have to remember that. You're not going to change too much of a guy who did what he did this year, especially now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not he's not going to look at it any different than he did during the season. He just has to realize the pitching is just better in October. That's all there is to it. The pitching is better, and those guys know how to pitch, especially Houston staff. So, not sure what else Judge can really do uh, at this point in the series. Let me, ask, let me just follow up on the umpiring here, because uh, a lot of what we do here at NYY Sports Talk is we're on the Twitter, we're uh, interacting with fans, doing the live in-game updates, and we've seen a lot of people say that Judge is too nice, that he should kind of bark at the umpires and maybe that'll buy him a few calls. I don't know if that's fan conjecture or something that you actually buy into, but what are your thoughts on that? Sounds like conjecture to me. Yeah, I don't... I don't think number one judges and I, I've interviewed judge judges, not the type of guy that really let an umpire hear it. Uh, and, and you're going to hear these comparisons, at least in demeanor judge and Derek Jeter were two very, very similar guys. They don't panic. They never show it. They show some fire when they need to. Derek Jeter pretty much never talked to umpires. He said things every now and then maybe that was a little high. That was a little low. I think judge is the same way, but I don't think he's going to go off on a guy. I, I do think that, if there's something questionable, his manager has to come out and say something. Um, and I'm not saying get himself ejected, but somebody's got to say something. They got to say, hey, you know, that maybe that was a little high, that was a little low. But yeah, I don't think Judge is the type of guy. He's not the type of player to really let umpires hear it. And you have to you have to think too if if Judge gets called out or if he gets if he gets a bad pitch and he lets an umpire hear it, the umpire is just going to remember that the next at bat. Uh, and it's not always in a positive way. Um, you don't want to make enemies of the umpires this time of year because we've seen the ump show exist this season, especially. So the <laughs> sure. last thing you want, the last thing you want to do is really give them any more spotlight than uh, they already got. So I'm not sure that's it's the funny. Solution. It's funny because there's been a few times this postseason where 
I feel like if it was the regular season, Joe would have been thrown out probably six or seven times this postseason, and he's really kept pretty calm in the dugout. I know he doesn't want to go anywhere. I know he's not looking to leave this uh, a postseason game up to up to Robbie in the dugout. But uh, there's been quite a few times I've been waiting for him to bark a little bit. But you go, you lose two to Cleveland, in my opinion, the best team in the American League in a five-game set. You come back, you win two at home, and then you take game five in Cleveland. You start the ALCS, you lose two games in Houston, you come, you're coming back home. Do the Yankees have what it takes to do this again? It's you know that's that's it's a really tough question. I think they for such a young team, um, you know for such a young group of, of core guys, they showed a lot. And again, you want to use some of these buzz buzzwords that are just you hear them all the time: grit, guts. They showed a lot of heart. Um, talking to Judge, he always said his mentality: the mentality is to keep fighting. The mentality is to is, is just to be resilient. So that's obviously ingrained in what they do and how they play. But sometimes you just play teams that are better than you. And um, I think Houston is just the better all-around team. Offensively, um, pitching, they're, they're one-two is unbelievable. And um, I just think their rotation as a whole is, is better and better suited for this time of year, even though they're they're playing against Morton. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think they, they could, again, they could do it. it. They could win three games at home. Uh, we've seen it, you know, countless times this year. Houston reeled in the second half, but I just think they're destined. They're, the prophecies are coming true. Um, I just think Houston is just too good, and I don't think they're going to let up. They're going to let up on the Yankees now. Yeah, I, I'd say the most discouraging part of these two losses has been Verlander and Keuchel have just been notoriously deflating to the Yankees in the postseason. And guess what? You're going to see them again. So it's going to be a, a big uphill battle if the Yankees are going to come back. Even if they tied the series up, it, it, you know, you're going to face these guys again. You're going to face these guys who you just haven't been able to produce runs off of. So yeah. could it happen? Sure. Is it likely? Probably not. But you know what? For the first time in my life, if they lose this series, I'm going to take a step back. Yeah, I'm going to be disappointed. But you know what? At the end of the day, this team exceeded every single expectation that we could all have had and I'm I'm pretty happy looking forward and and just as an aside and I actually wrote about that very thing um after the I want to say either during or after the ALDS where no matter what happens now there's a there's a huge difference between disappointment and failure right and you hear some guys using the words like you just used where it's going to be a disappointing you know it's a bitter end you don't want to see it end but this season is far from a failure uh, to get as far as you did, to do what you did to Cleveland, to see what some of these guys have, what some of your young players have, um, to to kind of sleepwalk through the middle of the season playing some 500 baseball, and to still end up here, that's a huge success, no, no matter what anybody says. And I understand the mantra for the Yankees is World Series or bust year in and year out, and you'll never hear the guys say, oh, well, it was a good year because we saw this and that. But internally, every organization always – set certain goals that aren't just World Series. They want to see what their guys have. They want to see what the youth produces. They want to see them take the next step. And I think this year for the Yankees was was much more than anybody in that front office could have ever hoped for. So 
it's it's disappointing, yes, for fans, but it's, it's certainly not a failure. All right, Joe, we want to thank you for coming on with us again, uh, you know, giving us a little bit more time than we thought. It's just a lot to talk about with the Yankees going deep in October here. Uh, we just want to say thanks again for coming on. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Rivera SN. Joe, thanks for spending uh, part of your Sunday evening with us here on the NYY Sports Talk Podcast. We appreciate it, Joe. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully uh, we'll be touching base when the Yankees are in the World Series at some point. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All, All right, right Kyle, Good night. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks again, Joe, for uh, spending a few minutes with us, which was really like a half hour. At Joe Rivera SN. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter if you don't already. Uh, we always tell the guests 10 to 15 minutes, and then they just tend to go on a little bit longer than that. But we appreciate everybody that comes and spends uh, some time with us to you know enhance these podcasts to give you guys a different perspective. Uh, Joe was fighting a little bit of a cold today, so again, we really thank him for coming on and fighting through it. And... Uh, Giving us about a half hour of his time on a Sunday night. You know we got to ask him, what? and we'll we we drop the ball here on it. Why? But... Why Ginger Mahal is such a piece of crap WWE champion? <laughs> no, because I don't care about that. Uh, where we can find his judge interview? Yes, he, he, he talked. He spoke with Judge. We got to. I'm sure it's on Sporting News somewhere, but maybe we'll post up a link. Yeah, we can uh, uh, tweet him, DM him, and uh, you know maybe he'll give us a link to it somewhere. Sure, he will. All right, so like I said, but leading into the interview and in the interview, game two seemed to be having some controversy for the Yankees. They're both walk-off losses. You know, the blunders that Joe did in game two. Not that anybody had a major blunder like that, but I guess the controversy would be should he, shouldn't he have made the play? Speaking of Sanchez at the end of the game, uh, Joe had a great perspective on that that I wasn't even thinking of. That Castro was the the uh, what do you call? It? What's the word I'm looking for? The the culprit <coughs> that he wasn't there to take a relay throw from Judge because maybe he should have went Judge Castro. Well, Sanchez. I chimed in a little that I was listening to that on the radio, and I went back and I watched the play, and and it's 100 right. That's not Didi. That would be Didi. I mean, teams usually decide who's going to be the relay from center field. It's usually the shortstop. Usually the shortstop's taking the center field throw and the left fielder's throw. But when a play at the plate is happening from the right fielder, that's not your shortstop. In Listen, sometimes you're in a big ballpark where a judge might be running all the way out and there's a double relay. Where he's throwing the the ball to to Didi and Didi's, I mean uh, to Castro. Castro's hitting Didi, so on and so forth. Very rare, but it happens. Uh, in this case, Starling Castro is the cutoff man, and there's a reason for it because Didi's momentum at that point was taking him away from the play. Whereas if Castro's there, he's coming in with the ball and flowing right flowing with the ball right to home plate. Whereas Didi looked a little off balance when he took that throw. Maybe because he All got a, a sudden, shoulder right, from no, you got you 
I, for the first time, I think I'm a little more rational on this than you are. Correa did not interfere. Mm, it's it's on the if you drew a line, no. he's, he's on that line. I disagree. I've watched it enough. You know, times. he's allowed to slide into the base and pop up, right? Mm. No, he is. He's allowed to do that. If he popped up and then jammed his elbow into Didi as he threw, or threw his hands up for no reason, that's a different story. But a guy's allowed to slide in and pop up. From the back. I'm not it, saying it was interference. I could it see has to where be intentional. I could I could see where a case could be made. I don't. I'm not disagreeing with that. There can be a case made for anything. What about the kid? You know what? That kid. <laughs> you don't want to know how I feel about that kid. Nah, I thought it was a home run. I thought it was a home again run. though. Watching it and seeing the replay over and over again. If he's not there, I'm not convinced that ball is over the fence. I hope that kid plays Little League one day. I'm sure he does. And he's about to hit a grand slam and his parents are there. And Aaron Judge and is there. <laughs> and Aaron Judge comes and smacks the ball over and they call it a double. You ever watch The Simpsons when you were younger? <laughs> no. The, I hate The Simpsons. The, you're, you're just something wrong with you. Uh, it's like the uh, softball episode where uh, Mr. Burns hires all the major league players when he goes to the championship game and Homer's there. And Daryl Strawberry just stands over uh, Homer to steal the ball away because he's like nine feet taller than him. It's like Judge would be there stealing a home run away from the kid. <laughs> nah, I thought it was a home run. Little prick. It's real nice. I'm going to make you feel really bad right now. What? The kid's brother died in an ATV accident. Come on, I'm, man. Honest to God, I saw it on Twitter today. You had to do that to me? <laughs> Poor the kid, kid. The kid's brother died in an ATV accident about a month ago. I hope that freaking kid just made his life catching that ball. I'm sure it did. He's famous now. There you, you go. You know what his, uh, his name's all over the Twitter sphere, so. I hope he never forgets this day. Uh, and you know what? When the Astros win, if the Astros win, I'm happy for him. His name is Jeffrey Mayer III. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I said it on Twitter, and it would, you know. I don't like I said. I'm not gonna say it was interference. I'm not gonna get crazy over it, but you could make the case either way. I yeah. mean, you could you could see it, but yeah, I'm it's not just such a reach though. I I agree. The kid it's reached. A reach because, the kid reached. You know, <laughs> because you're watching Altuve score and you and you almost don't believe it happened that quickly. So you're like something had you know some you have to be able to fight somewhere. So you just. You lean on the Correa slide or interference, and you're trying to make it all go away, but it's not going to. So, bottom line, should Gary make the play? Yes. Let's cut all the other stuff out. The ball's there in plenty of time. Yes. No, I'm, I'll never say he shouldn't have made that play. What I will say is people need to get off his back. That's not – the ball beat him by a lot, but that's not an easy play. And you know what? Just like Joe said, it goes back to the cutoff. It goes back to the relay. It, that's where it starts. That's where it ends. Gary should have made the play. You expect him to make the play. It's not an easy play. All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, before we look ahead and slow day because Yankees are off. I tweeted this earlier. Got a lot of great responses. Let's just play a little fun hypothetical real quick. And this is because of what Brian McCann had to say yesterday after the game. He went and he, he went to bat for Gary Sanchez and basically said that's that's a great catcher right there. He's a great defensive catcher. He's going to be one of the best catchers 
in Major League Baseball for a really long time. And I respect the hell out of Brian McCann. I was always a big fan of him even before he was a Yankee. And I thought that was a great thing for him to come out and say in defense of a former teammate. But let's play a fun hypothetical real quick. All things being equal, <coughs> Yankees traded Brian McCann was basically to save some money, help with the rebuild. But you're taking it, just look at this. Looking back, you're in, whenever the trade was, December, February, whenever they signed Holiday, whatever. What do you think the Yankees should have done? Holiday or keep McCann? I'll never say keep McCann when it comes to them getting Matt Holiday. I think Matt Holiday was such a genius move in so many ways. And we'll never know what kind of a true impact Matt Holiday had on this team. Um, I said it and I, I won't say I meant it literally. But I, I made a statement once that if this team wins a World Series, I give all the credit to Matt Holiday. Because I think that there's so much more that this man's done for this team than we will ever know. Um, it goes a long way in the clubhouse. And Matt Holiday is the type of guy who he doesn't want people to know. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be talked about as someone who has been a mentor like that. He doesn't need the credit is what I'm saying. So that's how valuable I think Matt Holiday is. And I will never say anyone should have stayed over a guy like Matt Holiday. I just wasn't on board with the trading of Brian McCann as many people were. You like, weren't. Don't. I think I was. Because he had a role on this team. He would have gotten his at-bats as a DH listen, slash backup catcher. Correct me if I'm wrong, too. He actually ended up having a good end of the year last year with the Yankees. He was starting to hit a lot of home runs. I think Brian McCann would have done better this year not having to have been behind the plate so much. Could, too. I just remember he started hitting a lot of home runs late in the yeah, year. Yeah, why? Because he wasn't behind the plate. And all of a sudden I was kind of like, maybe they keep him. You know? So do you think that it was better? So you think it was better that Judge was on this team than Brian McCann? Yes. I can't disagree with that. I'm not going to ever say that it was the wrong move, but I just thought it was a fun debate to have on the day off. You just said Judge. You meant Holiday? Huh? What did I say? You said Judge was on this team. Yeah, Judge was on this team. You, just whatever. <laughs> All right, so speaking of Judge, uh, let's just move along here and wrap it up. Got three games at Yankee Stadium. This is where the Yankees did their damage last <coughs> series. It's They got back in the series, took their home games, and then won a game five. Can the Yankees win the ALCS going back to Houston still trailing in the series? Meaning they only win two or three at home. Yeah, they can. But you don't want to, obviously. Like I said, they got to win tomorrow. Tomorrow is a must-must win. And then Tuesday is going to decide who wins the series. So if the Yankees win Monday and then they lose Tuesday, I don't think they win. If you can give me one key, whether it be a pitcher, a hitter, in these next three games, that the Yankees will say the Yankees win the three games, go back to Houston up 3-2, who's going to be the guy that that steps up and gets them there? I'm going to say the name that I think I've been saying all year. 
uh, all postseason. It's Greg Bird. Bird, I think he's such he's a guy who. I mean, at least for me, he gets up to the plate and you're like, oh, forgot about Bird. Forgot Bird's in the middle of this lineup. And he does damage. I think he's going to continue to be the X factor of this offense. Don't make a mistake to him. Especially at home. Be nice to get guys on for him. You know? Uh, There's also something I posted on Twitter yesterday during the game. Biggest positive surprise for the Yankees during the postseason run so far. The choices were Hicks, Tommy Canely, Tommy Canely, Todd Frazier, or do you even want to throw Greg Bird in there because of the limited amount of playing time he got this year? I just, you know, you thought you were getting this powerhouse, right, in Tommy Canely. And he comes over in his first, you know, a few appearances. You're like, wow, this guy is going to pitch them right into the postseason. And then he has this bout of like, just ineffectiveness. Ineffectiveness. Yeah, wild. wild couldn't keep guys. inherited runners from scoring. And you're just like, you know, he's young. He He's what, 25, 26? Now he's he's older than that. He's got to be like 28. This is where I'd make a joke about Stat Guy Ryan not being yeah. here, but it's just it's being a dead <laughs> horse at this point. Uh, so, you know, you hope. I always say this, and and, and it's the truth. Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher in baseball. But until he can prove that he can pitch his team through the postseason, he means nothing to me. Tommy Canley's 28 years old, 28. by the way. So, it's kind of the same thing when it goes to a guy who you're unsure of during the regular season. He came into the postseason and he's been a workhorse, man. Lights out. Lights out. And outs. that's what you want to see. He he gained all his value for this team. He 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 validated who we gave up to get him. So if Tommy Canley didn't step up in the wild card game and pitch the way he did and then have the performances he did in the DS, we would have had to suffer through Dellen Batances. Right. So that's maybe so. The, his biggest contribution to the team in the playoffs. Damn it. I meant to ask Joe what he thinks of Dellen. We'll we'll save that for a, for an off season debate. All right, so that's uh, that should basically, you know, I mean, like I said, it's hard to be upset that they're down 0-2 because initially go headed into the postseason, you just wanted them to, to show that they belonged on the field with the Cleveland Indians, win, lose, or draw, and they won. We're in the American League Championship Series. The New York Yankees 2017 we all thought it was about getting Bird, Sanchez, Judge, Severino, getting these guys ready to become the next core Yankees, a next dynasty. And here we are in the American League Championship Series. So, I mean, even if they get swept, I mean, I'm not even I, – I, yeah, I'll be upset the season's over, but how are you going to be mad about it? I'll say this. I'll be upset for a little bit. But – what I'm going to do after that is I'm going to root for the Houston Astros to win the World Series. I want to say that the Yankees, the rebuilding Yankees, didn't make it in 2017 because they got beat by the World Series champions. And I think it would be great for the city of Houston. I'm a big fan of the Astros. I think they, I think it's 
this is not going to be the only time we see them in the American League Championship Series over the next 10 years. I think we're actually going to see them quite a few times, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see how much the Yankees can grow each year. So, and I know people from Boston aren't going to like this, but I think that this core Yankee team, their biggest rival will probably be the Houston Astros going forward over, yeah. over the next 10 yeah. years. I agree. I think because I think that the Houston is maybe a year or two ahead of the Yankees, but the Yankees are right behind them now. I agree. All right. So again, um, you know, we'll see how the series plays out when we'll uh, record our next podcast. Um, maybe if the Yankees uh, face get eliminated at home, we'll come back next Sunday and uh, wrap up the season, or maybe we'll you know we'll talk to you before Game Six if there is one. We'll see how our schedules break. And if there's something to talk about, so uh, you know, stay tuned on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. We'll let you know uh, when episode thirteen already. Next episode would be thirteen, right? Yeah. Jeez, man, the time has flown doing oh. NYY Sports Talk. Again, uh, since the Yankees have been in the playoffs, man, we have grown so incredibly. Well, not I want to use large, but for us, the support and the growth has been astronomical the engagement i mean you look at some of the engagement we get at you know we're not even at 2300 followers yet i remember our first giveaway was if we hit 100 followers yeah. when we first started this uh we're at 2300 the engagement we get is more than some people who have 15,000 followers yeah and they so. could have 14,500 purchased followers so. <laughs> I'm yeah. really I mean I can't I I can't even tell you guys how incredibly humbled we are by the growth. I mean the, a lot of it's due to the Yankees making it this far and people just wanting to ride that train and talk to other people that are Yankee fans, but man, you guys came to us and you wanted us for your Yankees news, your Yankees talk and uh God, I just want I was to say thank you and let's keep it going. Let's keep the growth of NYY Sports Talk going. Again, at uh, NYY Sports Talk, we want to thank our guest, Joe Rivera, who joined us for the second time. He joined us when we were uh, when we had, what, 100 followers? Yeah. So now that we're, we've grown a little bit, we want to thank Joe again, at Joe Rivera SN. Follow me, at Christian underscore NYYST. Where are they going to find you? Chris Jr. underscore NYYST. I don't really do much on Twitter. So. Except for just retweet nonsense. Yeah. So if you want to see retweeted nonsense, follow him. You're nonsense. No, you're nonsense. No, you literally are nonsense. Can I clear something up and then we really have to wrap up? Yes. Uh, the tweet I put out of Todd Frazier with the sign behind him. It Can kinda... you tell me who? I don't know him by that name. What What does he do? What does he do? The guy that was in the Little League World Series. Oh, Tom that Jimmer. guy. Yeah. Um, there was a guy with the epic collapse sign of 2014 or 2004. Yeah. And I posted that we would make one too, but we didn't have enough, you know, a poster years. big enough for all those years I posted. I think a majority of people who just took it and retweeted it, whatever, thought I was listing all the Yankees World Series wins. Yeah. So then people would comment like, you forgot 2000. No, no, no. Go into the replies because you'll see that's every year the Indians have 
had an epic collapse of some sort. And that was Stack Guy's rise contribution to NYYST over the yeah. last. And week. you know what? It really <laughs> took off that that tweet because he was the one that origin uh, found all the years the Indians lost in the postseason. But uh, I'm still like, eating Tostitos. Like I said, I was I was like half a percent sad because uh, Munch is such a huge Cleveland sports guy, yeah. and uh, he's been great to us. So. For him, I was a little bit upset, but, you know, sorry, not sorry. Mm. All right, just just leave. Just get out of here. <laughs> and we're going to go because now he's, I don't know. I, I I'm, We're going to do the podcast video one day so people can just see your dumb <laughs> face and how you act during these things. Mm. But, again, thank you, uh nyy sports talk on twitter that's how you find us at nyy sports talk uh rate subscribe comment every all those good things icloud i did it again i said to myself <laughs> i wasn't gonna do it. itunes soundcloud uh stitcher radio we're <coughs> we're also up on google play now oh we are google play yeah and, and working on iheart radio so you know what? Go to myysportstalk.com slash podcast. You'll see some of the places that you can listen, subscribe, rate, review, anywhere you can. What else can they do on nyysportstalk.com? They can purchase some merch. Yeah, some, you got your DD emoji tee, the rebuilding hoodie. If you want to just uh, wear our, quote, info t-shirt and plug us around your neighborhood, we'd be ecstatic if you did that as well. But again, thank you. Uh, and you know, let's hope the Yankees can keep this going when, when, uh, when, uh, the next three games at home and see what we can do in Houston. So, uh, thanks again. And, uh, Chris, do your thing. Say goodbye. Peace.